What's up, everybody? Back with another episode, episode 91. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, go ahead and hit that like button for me. If you're listening on Spotify, scroll to the top. Go ahead and follow the podcast. Maybe give me a little rating, you know, it's whatever you're feeling. Um, just me today. Dylan's out molding his future, him and Brett, so they're getting shit going. Um, before we get into the science stuff, I wanted to kind of talk about one of the more awkward things that I think can happen to a person in your day-to-day life. I, I saw this happen this past week. So I was in traffic driving, and these two people pull up to, next to each other in front of me, and I guess they know each other because they both throw their windows down, and they start talking. They have a good old conversation. You know, they're talking it up. Um, hands moving, hand motions and everything. We got waves going on. Uh, some people are hanging out the window talking. So like they're really getting into it and everything, you know. They have their good old conversation and things kind of die down and traffic starts to move forward. They roll the windows up and they move along, you know. They're thinking, okay, that interaction's over with, conversation's done. We're going to move on to the next thing, right? But what makes what I think makes it awkward about this is as you're going in traffic, you pull up like next to them again at the next light and you're sitting there driving and you're kind of doing a little like subtle take to the left or to the right, depending on which one I'm in. And you're like, not really sure if you should look over and wave again or if they're going to be waving at you. Like you don't want to have them wave at you and then you're just sitting there ignoring them because, you know, they're, you obviously talk to them, you know, and they're your friend of some sort. You don't want to come off as an asshole right off the bat. Like, oh, I hadn't talked to this person forever and they're going to ignore me. So you're like looking, making sure that they aren't waving and then you're kind of like, you stop a little bit before you get to, up to that car and trying trying to avoid speaking to him again or looking to him again. You don't know if you should wave or if you should just keep looking forward. I saw it happen last week. I might not be explaining it well, but it seemed so awkward. I got like third-hand awkwardness, embarrassment, or whatever from it. So that's uh, that's my social, my social dilemma for the week. On to some science. So we got some big science news if you're a space nerd, kind of like I am. James Webb Space Telescope that they have been working on since the 80s. I think they first had the idea in the 80s and then spent the next 40 years, like, I think they had some delays and some shortages and things like that. $10 billion later, finally got it launched this past Christmas. And now here we are seven months later with the first pictures. So that's awesome, right? So it's the James Webb Space Telescope. Uh, It is the... It's a it's a better version of the Hubble, but it works together with the Hubble, so it's not like the replacement for the Hubble. It's like a supplement, like they work together. But they released, um, I think it was five, but four of them are really pictures. The fifth one, I think, is like a graph um, that they've been measuring. What were they measuring? Nothing important. <clears throat> Nothing important, but... Um, yeah, it's just wavelengths from different planets. So there's really four pictures that they came out with, and they're they're pretty damn cool. So I'm going to kind of tell you a little bit about them. So the first one here they've got, I'm reading this on sciencenews.org. They've got a little article about it. First one is titled Going Deep. And I made an Instagram post about these four pictures as well. So go to my Instagram, look at it if you want to see like the actual thing, or go to the fucking NASA website where they have them. Um, they'll probably have more explanation for you there too. So Going Deep is a... Picture of space, and uh, I read an art or a little snippet of a different article that said that this picture that they've taken was the size of a grain of sand. So if you're holding a grain of sand up to the sky and taking that little section of a snippet, that's what this picture is of. And in this picture, there are thousands 
of galaxies, literally thousands of galaxies pictured. And so this telescope is, is these are deep, deep space photos. So this right here says these galaxies in this picture are 4.6 billion light years away. And what that means is we're seeing the galaxies as they were 4.6 billion years ago because that's how long it's taken the light to travel to us. That's a light year. That's how long or how far light travels in a year, which is like three times 10. No, what is that? That's speed of, speed of light, three times 10 to the eighth. I don't know. I think it's like hundreds of thousands of miles is a light year. Um, so these galaxies are 4.0 billion light years away. And there's thousands of them in this grain of sand-sized picture of the sky. Get some hydration there. But what's cool about this is that the mass of these galaxies that they've got pictured here in the middle warp space-time in a way that, I'm not really sure how this works, but this is what it says, in a way that magnifies the galaxies further behind them so you can see them a little better as well. I don't think it pulls them to the front, but I think it just enhances them better for the telescope to pick up. And apparently these galaxies are 13 billion light years away. So we can see, the, we see these galaxies as they were 13 billion years ago. And they say the universe is, I'm, I'm, this might be wrong, but it's like 14 billion years old or something like that. So this is early universe galaxies that you're getting to look at here, which is, a big deal for science and astronomers. Maybe not for you um, or me, I guess, but it just kind of makes me excited. I got a half chub right now. Um, so that's the first picture. And it's, it honestly looks, none of the, all these pictures look like they were fucking made on Adobe Photoshop. Like it's, you wouldn't know if, if, if you saw it, whether or not it was a space picture or somebody made it in their garage. But they're coming from NASA, so I mean, I've got to take them like, as truth, because if I can't trust NASA, who are you going to trust? So that was the first one, going deep. The second one is called Cosmic Cliffs. I've got them in a different order, too, on my Instagram post, because I thought the Cosmic Cliffs one was a lot cooler, so that's the first one on the post. Um, but there's the second one here. So Cosmic Cliffs is a section of this nebula. It's called the Carina Nebula. It's about 7,600 light years from Earth, so a lot closer than those galaxies that we were looking at in that last picture. And so what these cliffs kind of look like here is it basically is like building a wall. It almost looks like a wall that has been made, but it's just kind of, it's like a, it looks like cliffs, I guess. They're called the cosmic cliffs. But what happens here is this is uh, where there's a lot of new star formation. So there's a lot of exploding and a lot of banging. You know what I'm saying? A lot of bang. No. But uh, a lot of stars being formed, a lot of planets being formed. It's, this explosions are spewing this dust is what is what all this is. It's literally, this is space dust, I guess, is what you would call it. It's what new planets and stuff are made out of, which is what our planet's made out of. And coincidentally, us, we're made out of fucking star shit. Star stuff, I guess is a better way to say it. But uh, the explosions have been pushing this dust like to one side or like one area of this nebula and it makes what looks like these cliffs. And it's a really pretty picture. I'm, I'll try and show it here on the YouTube if you're watching and go check them out too for yourself because they're, they're really pretty pictures and they look so vibrant because we're looking at them in infrared. That's what this James Webb telescope looks at these things in. The Hubble is like visual, like actual what the human eye can pick up. The James Webb telescope 
James Webb Space Telescope uh, is looking at these in infrared. So they look a lot more vivid than what they actually would with the Hubble. Um, and the infrared also allows you to kind of see through the dust and that's why it's like speckled in the dust. You can see the galaxies and stars behind it because of the infrared. So that's really fucking cool. Um, and it's just, it's literally a massive picture of what everything is made out of, just dust. Which, and the dust is like, it's not like dust dust, it's like molecules and gas and things like that. Um, let's see if I'm missing anything on that one. There's not a lot about that one. The next one's called Foamy Nebula. This one almost looks like, um, looks like something on a Neil deGrasse Tyson book that I've got. So I'm not even sure if this is a real, no, I'm just kidding, this is a real picture. Uh, but they're, they're really pretty and they're really vivid. Um, but this next one called the Foamy Nebula is, it's, uh, that's what the picture is called. The nebula is actually called the Southern Ring Nebula. And what they have it described here as, uh, they say it is an expanding cloud of gas that surrounds a dying star about 2,000 light years from Earth. So we're getting closer. So this dying star, it's like this, it basically looks like a, like almost like a droplet of water kind of, but there's like speckled things all around the outside of it. And it's like an oval shape. And let's see what it says here. There's a, what the infrared is picking up is, is making this look orange, but the orange apparently is hydrogen molecules that are forming on the outside as the dust moves away from this hot core. And on the inside, it looks blue. And this blue is hot ionized gas that has been heated by the leftover core of the star. Pretty fucking cool, dude. Molecular hydrogen that is that has been cooled from the core, so it's like seeping away from this dying star. Um, I wonder if it's exploded. Did they explode? Aren't they supposed to explode? Thought they did. It's a white dwarf, so maybe it already has exploded. But again, the picture's just so vivid. And they say that's because it's an infrared. I don't fucking know. And then, was that three? Yeah, so the fourth one is called a galactic quintet. And quintet is five. So this is called the Stevens, Stefan's quintet. I'm not really sure which one it is. But it's a group of galaxies 290 million light years away. So that's a little further back. But what it looks like here, it looks like there's only four galaxies. There's four, like, almost, almost looks like people standing really far away with flashlights. It's kind of what it looks like, to be honest with you. It looks like there's four of them kind of in a formation, I suppose. But what it says here is that four of the galaxies are engaged in an intimate gravitational dance with one member, which would be the fifth galaxy, passing through the core of the cluster. And this says the fifth galaxy is actually much closer to Earth and just appears in a similar spot in the sky. So one of them is kind of stacked on the other one, so that's why you can't really see it. Um, 
But apparently these galaxies are so close to each other, they're locked in what they say an intergalactic dance. I said gravitational dance, but intimate gravitational intergalactic dance. So they're spinning around each other. I don't know how long it takes for them to go around each other, but I'm, I bet it's loud too, which is kind of crazy to think about like in space. I bet it, well, I don't, sound waves can't travel in space, do they? There's no medium for them to travel in. Is that right? I might be fucking stupid. But eventually these galaxies are going to collide. And I was trying, I was thinking like, I wonder what that sounds like, a galaxy colliding with another galaxy? But apparently they're going to collide at some point. It doesn't say when. Probably going to be a long time from now. But uh, I bet we'll have that on. Bet we'll have that on camera. I bet we'll get pictures of that, which is really fucking cool. Um, so that's the, the first four pictures, or and the fifth one. This is what they call it. It's called an exoplanet's sky. Um. Basically, what this graph is is they're trying to detect the presence of water vapor in the atmosphere of exoplanets. So that's kind of cool. But again, it's no pictures. It's just a graph. So if you don't like reading graphs, this one's not going to excite you very much. Um, a spectrum of light from a star, WASP-WASP-96, as it passes through the atmosphere of its gas giant planet, WASP-96b. So this is an exoplanet. So like a planet orbiting a bigger planet and they're trying to see if there's water on it or water vapor which is kind of interesting but unless you like reading graphs like I said kind of takes the fun out of it so that's the James Webb Space Telescope news so far and they're taking new pictures all the time they're going to be releasing stuff pretty frequently I think um, so that gives you something to live for if you were not doing too well um, but <laughs> Nostalgia. I've been talking about that for a while. I figured I'd go ahead and give you a little rundown of nostalgia because it's an interesting thing. And I was thinking about it a couple of weeks ago. I wanted to talk about it for the past few weeks, but haven't really dove into it enough to be able to give a good explanation. So I've got the study here that I read, um, and I'll tell you what it is if you want to go check it out. It's on. It's called Nostalgia, and it's got a hyphen, and it says From Cowbells to the Meaning of Life, and it's by The Psychologist dot bps.org that's the website that it's on um so if you want to go check that out and fact check me you can but what we got here so let's start with it nostalgia so let's break the word down nostalgia derives from greek words nostos which means return and algos which means pain so its original definition the literal meaning of nostalgia is the suffering evoked by the desire to return to one's place of origin that sounds very depressing, right? And so initially they were like, oh, well, this is a form of depression. That's what, that's what the, uh, the science was, was pointing towards for them. And so it wasn't until later in the 20th century they kind of changed the uh, definition of the concept of nostalgia. And through a study right here by Fred Davis, a sociologist in 1979, showed that participants associated words like warm, old times, childhood, and yearning with nostalgia more frequently than homesickness. So there was apparently, you were able to discriminate between the two concepts. So they kind of thought homesickness was kind of like nostalgia. But what they 
what they decided on, uh, the new Oxford Dictionary here in English, defines homesick as experiencing a longing for one's home during a period of absence from it, and nostalgia as a sentimental longing for the past. So I don't know if that means anything to you or not, but that's kind of, they're not the same thing as what they decided. So nostalgia is his own thing apart from homesickness, which they originally thought were one and the same. Apparently they've done big studies on homesickness now. But nostalgia. So what is the content of nostalgia? Why do we have it? What does it mean? What's the point? So nostalgia revolves around the self in a social context. And what they give here as an example, one participant in a study that they did wrote a narrative about a friend saying, I felt like I was really important to him and that no one else was as close. We had our own sort of code and we would talk to each other so no one else knew what we were saying. So it was like a, self of, it was like a sense of self-importance to somebody else or to something in a social context. So with other people, you have a, um, a higher sense of meaning or a higher sense of importance to them. So that's kind of how um, nostalgia revolves around the self in a social context. And the majority of the narratives contain positive elements around nostalgia. So they said originally nostalgia was um, like sort of like depression. Like people were like, oh, if you're in a nostalgic state, then you're kind of depressed. But through these studies, they're, they're figuring out it's associated more with positive elements. So, hold on, let me, let, me, let me get some more here. So it's associated with positive elements, okay? So that means you're going to want to have more nostalgia whenever you're wanting to feel more positive things whenever you're wanting to feel more positive feelings. So when would you be nostalgic, right? That's the next question. So there was another study done. They asked participants to provide detailed descriptions of circumstances under which they become nostalgic. The most common trigger emerging from these descriptions was negative emotions. So anytime people felt bad, they felt negative emotions, they associated nostalgia, or they experienced nostalgia, which is associated with positive emotions. So when they felt bad, they wanted to feel good. Imagine that. So one participant wrote, I think of nostalgic experiences when I'm sad, as they often make me feel better. Somebody else wrote, I think people would turn to nostalgia in unhappy, sad, or lonely situations to make themselves smile. And then people, um, so among the negative affective states mentioned, loneliness was by far the most common. So people said when they felt lonely, they felt nostalgic. So that's like when you're down with the vid, you got the cove, you're chilling at home, you're feeling lonely because all the homies are at the club, booty bouncing and shit, you know. You're at home chilling because you couldn't go because you got the vid. They won't let you in. So you're sitting there you're like, man, I wish I was at the club booty bouncing with the homies. But you're at home with the vid. So you start thinking about all those other times you were booty bouncing with the homies at the club. You're getting that nostalgia because you're at home feeling these negative effect, these negative emotions. You're like, man, I want to feel better. I want to feel some positive emotions. 
Let's think back to those positive times. Think happy thoughts, right? That's what people always say all the time. When you're feeling something bad, or you're feeling sad. Think happy thoughts. Think happy thoughts. Booty bouncing at the club with the homies. Nostalgia. Food for thought. <laughs> I don't know if that made any sense, but it made sense in my head. Um, so let's see. So here, psychological significance of nostalgia. So we feel nostalgia when we're lonely, when we're sad, when we want to feel better. So nostalgia serves four functions that they have here through this study. The first function, nostalgia generates positive effect. So it generates positive emotions, positive feelings. Second, nostalgia maintains and enhances positive self-regard. Third, nostalgia strengthens social bonds. And fourth, nostalgia imbues life with meaning which, facilit which facilitates coping with existential threat. So that's an interesting one. That's one that I thought was, was kind of was crazy. So, let's break these down. Positive effect. Nostalgia generates positive effect. What does that mean? So... Let me say this right. So nostalgia is associated with positive emotions. With positive emotions come love, pride, and joy. And those are associated with the desirable outcomes. So what is proposed here is essentially that nostalgia serves as a store of positive effect or positive emotions. So whenever you start feeling nostalgic, you bring up this little bag of happiness and just shit it out everywhere. That's what nostalgia is. Nostalgia is your, your happiness bowels. You're losing control of your happiness bowels. Um... Kaplan here, which is a, another study from 1987, characterized nostalgia as a joyous experience that gives rise to an expansive state of mind and a feeling of elation. Almost sounds like you're doing crack. Whenever you're, on, if you're doing nostalgia, you're, you're, you're feeling nostalgia, I guess. Um, so that's where the uh, po generates positive effect or nostalgia generates positive feelings because nostalgia is associated with positive feelings um, because whenever you, or I guess whenever you have these nostalgic events, when you're thinking about previous experiences, you have these happy thoughts and happy feelings. Think happy thoughts, think happy thoughts. So on the second point, to, pos to positive self-regard, um... This here says individuals possess a well-documented need to protect, maintain, and enhance the positivity of the self-concept. So they're proposing here that nostalgia is an important mechanism through which we, which we achieve positive self-regard. Nostalgia may be effective in this regard because it can bestow an endearing luster on the self 
and cast marginal, fugitive, and eccentric facets of earlier selves in a positive light. So through nostalgia, we're thinking back of ourselves higher and making and bumping ourselves. I think it's a little bit like self-esteem. They call it positive self-regard. I think it helps boost your self-esteem, makes you feel better about yourself because you're thinking back about all these happy times and you're like, oh man, I'm a happy person. I've done fun shit. I've had fun. My life's really not as bad as I thought it was. Um, I had fun before in the past. I'll have fun again in the future. That's that's what the nostalgia is boosting your self-regard or your self-esteem, I believe. Um, so that's a good thing. That's positive. Oh yeah, it says right here at the end of this. Indeed, in our studies, participants who brought to mind and wrote about a nostalgic experience reported higher self-esteem than participants in the control condition. So yeah, helped to boost self-esteem of people. They thought about themselves in a positive light. So that's awesome. So the third thing, what was the third thing? Strengthen social bonds. <clears throat> so this says here, by now, it should come as no surprise we believe nostalgia is a deeply social emotion. Elegantly phrased, a nostalgia experience, in the nostalgic experience, the mind is peopled. So you're thinking about all these times that you had good experiences with other people, positive effects, and it's boosting that self-esteem, making yourself feel better. And so what they say here is such meaningful bonds are particularly relevant during life transitions, like graduations, relocations, or new employment, when individuals are likely to feel socially isolated. So that's when nostalgic experiences come about. So nostalgia contributes to a sense of safety and secure attachment. So you think back to the times when you had people around you that you really bonded very close with and you had a deep sense of attachment with, um, it can help you in those isolated times feel better about yourself, boost that self-esteem, bring you positive effect, positive emotions. So that's where they say it strengthens social bonds. It says, in our studies, participants who brought to mind and wrote about a nostalgic experience subsequently evidenced a more secure adult attachment style and greater interpersonal competence than participants in the control condition. So they were better social beings, basically, is what that means. And the last one, the most interesting one, the issue of meaning and existential threat. So let me, let me kind of brief this paragraph real quick. So one of the primary things people face, this is what they looked at in the study, is carving out a meaning and trying to find um, value in your life, in your, in your existence. Like, why am I here? Am I doing something important? Am I supposed to be doing something important? Am I, am I just supposed to be here? Like, what's, what's the fucking deal, man? What's the deal, Pickle? Um, we don't know. And we, we won't know, which is Kind of bullshit. It's a whole other topic, but um, so this is according to the terror management theory. Such existential anxiety is mitigated by maintaining a two-part anxiety buffer. 
that consists of faith in a cultural worldview, which is shared beliefs about the nature of reality that imbue life with meaning, and self-esteem, which is the sense that one is personally fulfilling the standards of one's worldview. It's all kind of coming back into boosting your own self-esteem, this nostalgia. But nostalgia can contribute to an overall sense of enduring meaning to one's life. It provides an emotional mechanism by which the passing of time can be perceived as meaningful and has the additional effect of soothing existential fears by reinforcing the value of cultural traditions. Wow. This goes on to say, Our recent research provides support for the existential function of nostalgia. We examined how nostalgia impacts the effects of reminders of mortality. So you're feeling nostalgic and it's helping people like be more appreciative of those times. And I guess if you're more appreciative of the times you had then, you take into account the times that you could have in the future and I'm more appreciative of that. People are like, I'm going to die. This isn't going to be forever. So I need to take advantage of it while I can and enjoy it while I can. This says, for example, in one study we found that after being reminded of one's mortality relative to an aversive control topic, Positive perceptions of the past were positively associated with perceived meaning of life. In another study, we further found that after being reminded of mortality, people who are more prone to nostalgia actually show less activation of death-related thoughts. So the more nostalgia you have, the less you worry about death. Huh. That's an interesting correlation. So people who are more nostalgic, people who have higher self-esteem, more, more positive thoughts, um, are able to handle death a little more, a little more intensely. And nostalgia also will arise when you feel lonely or feel isolated in order to buffer some of those feelings by bringing you positive effect or positive emotions and feelings. To let you know that, hey, you're feeling down right now, bud. But you remember that time whenever we were booty bouncing bitches in the club? That's what's up. <laughs> it'll it'll come back. You're 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 life's a roller coaster, bro. You're feeling isolated and you're feeling down and you're feeling sad. We're down here in the lows, but don't you forget that you're gonna come up on one of those hills again. You're gonna hit a high. So that's what that nostalgia is. It's saying, hey, bud, you're in the low, but there's going to be a high. That's pretty fucking cool. I like that. Uh, and I hope you liked what I just had to say, because that was that was uh, nostalgia in a very, very small nutshell. Uh, I glossed over a lot of the study. Um, so if you want to really dive into it, I'll tell you what it is again. It's on website called The Psychologist dot bps dot org and it is called nostalgia from cowbells to the meaning of life so nostalgia is an interesting thing it's there to make you feel better in the bad times um it's there to help you deal with the the existential dread of your own mortality um and it's there to make you feel good about yourself bro you know Sounds a lot like weed. <laughs> Sounds a lot like getting high. <laughs> but um, 
They're one and the same. And you start feeling nostalgic. You must be getting high on life. So get high on life, brother. And weed if you got some. Roll that shit up. Thanks for listening, everybody. Episode 91. Finally got to that nostalgia. We missed Dylan this week. He'll be back some point. Um, I appreciate you listening. Again, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, like the video. Subscribe to the channel. Pretty please. If you're listening on Spotify, scroll to the top. You can follow the podcast. Uh, it'll let you know whenever I release new episodes, but it's pretty consistent with when I release them. So, um, You can rate the podcast out of five stars. I don't care what you rate it, but just give me a rating. I think I think I might be the only person that's rated it so far on there, which... Fuck me. But uh, anyway, we'll see you next week for episode 92. Uh, y'all have a great week and, you know, nostalgia, bro. <laughs>